Hi everyone, welcome to the Unity Podcast brought to you by UniBridge. I'm Yun Cheng, your host for today. So before I start today's episode, I would like to make a disclaimer. So usually our podcast has a very well-defined team, right? Be it, be it NS or, you know, transition period from A-levels to university or embracing uncertainty and applying undeclared. But for today's podcast, I have no idea what theme I can use because of how diverse our guests' experiences are. Um, be it interning for Farid Zakaria at you know, CNN, or being research assistants for Professor, you know, Kishaw Mabubani and Graham Ellison. And she also, she has also been writing a novel. So, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So without further ado, let's welcome Selena Shi, a junior at Harvard, to share more about her diverse experiences. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Hi. everyone. Hi. <laughs> Thank you, Maybe you can give a brief, brief introduction about yourself. Uh, sure. Okay, so that was a very comprehensive introduction just now. But um, I guess... Uh, apart from that, uh, I'm currently on a gap year in Singapore since the COVID pandemic started. So I was supposed to do my senior year, but now I'm kind of doing like an entire year in Singapore. I'm currently interning at um, the premises office strategy group um, in the futures team. Uh, in my free time, I like to uh, write, to, to read. I run a blog at selinashi.com where I write about life and do creative writing. And I also love food, travel, uh, music, skincare, and stuff like that. <laughs> right? It's a great pleasure to wow. be on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I look forward <laughs> to our conversation in Jung. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Oh my god. So, I think the first question we'll probably have to ask you, right, is how did you approach university? Because, you know, just looking at your, your, your portfolio, right, like, those are really diverse experiences, like, spanning multiple different, you know, sectors and things like that. So how, like, at the, at the end of A-levels, right, what was your mindset going in when applying for university and then eventually making it to Harvard? Right, okay. So I actually uh, applied for, um, like, uh, Harvard University, like, before my A-levels. So so there is a, I guess, I guess it's a bit different from, like, the, like, maybe some experiences that other people have because I applied back um, during, like, the prelim period. So... So do you want me to talk about that? I guess like the application. Yeah, sure, sure. Go okay, ahead. okay, sure. Yeah. So um, so I applied back then for the early action round, which basically ends, um, I think, end of October. And that was around the same time when everyone was like, you know, trying to prepare for levels, <laughs> Or some people also like having applied for the UK. So that was all part of like, I guess, um, that phase in time. And then for me, I guess when I was applying, I just knew very for, for sure that I wanted to study in the US for my uni. And it wasn't mm. so much about going to uni with a set uh, course that I wanted to do, because I didn't have mm. that in mind. So I guess that was very much of a reason why I wanted to go to the US and why very much so I wanted a very diverse experience, which was also mm. something that I got out of uni in the end, ultimately. Mm. Yeah. So when I was applying and stuff, I think it was a lot more um, about me trying to figure out where I could possibly get that kind of um, interdisciplinary experience from. Mm-hmm. So I was like, choosing ex- um, universities, which I felt could fit there. And obviously Harvard was my top choice because of how liberal artsy it was. Um, but also it had a very strong, both like humanities, social sciences, faculty, but also mm-hmm. in terms of like um, the various kinds of extracurricular and like opportunities that it had. So, um, so that was kind of like, I guess, the mindset I had in my application. And then um, when I found out that I got in early, that was in December. So I had a lot of time, like in those eight months before going off to college to kind of like try to think more about what I want to do with life. So in those mm-hmm. eight months, I actually tried like several different things. And it mm-hmm. didn't really clarify like that much. But I think it was quite formative in terms of like, um, how I decided to approach college. So some of the things mm-hmm. I tried included, um, I tried to do journalism, 
at Straits Times. So I was kind of interning at the news desk and it was breaking news. So that was quite a different experience from anything I um, had previously about like mm. how exactly do you cover, uh, I guess, a breaking news event and how you wrote for print um, under a very, very tight timeline and how it was like to be in a newsroom. And then I also started my blog back then, <laughs> which mm-hmm. <laughs> has turned out to be the longest running blog <laughs> in my life. And I've started many, many blogs, which all failed at some point. So <laughs> I'm still doing this blog and I think I started then to try to do creative writing, which I didn't have much of a time for back in like JC because mm-hmm. it's like super busy and stuff. So I started mm-hmm. doing creative writing and like trying to write about um, life, both in like creative fiction and creative nonfiction. And that mm-hmm. was very cool. And then I went off to do a meditation retreat <laughs> for 10 days in Malaysia, wow. which I highly <laughs> recommend people to do. I think it was, it was probably called like Vipassana meditation or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like um, where you basically go tech-free and you have no technology and you don't talk to anyone for about 10 days mm-hmm. and they confiscate all of your technological devices and personal stuff and then you're mm-hmm. just there um to meditate and then they also teach you about like um it's buddhist teachings but i'm not buddhist i'm actually christian but mm-hmm. it's very very interesting in terms of like religious reflection and how exactly mm-hmm. you approach social media and stuff so that was mm-hmm. pretty important for me in terms of like uh i think uh, understanding my relationship with media and then i also did many <laughs> random things i guess like travel I even tried to audition for like I don't know if you guys know this like Zhongguo Haosheng Ying like oh the voice of China. <laughs> yeah, oh cause really? I, yeah, because I love singing wow. and I'm like a huge like karaoke person. So I actually auditioned mm. for like the Singapore like round of like Zhongguo Haosheng. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, I like um, only got to the semifinals, but it was already mm. more than I expected because I have like no professional singing experience. It was just very fun because I was like, why not give it a go? Maybe I can get to sing. So that was like part of like the kind of different things I was trying. So by the time I went to college in August, um, I think I I had a much better idea of like um, the kind of mindset I wanted to bring to college, which was to try as many different things as possible. Mm -hmm. And at least if I can't figure out what I like the most, I can know what I don't like. And then I can Mm -hmm. try to explore more things that might be um, seemingly like beyond my comfort zone or like things mm-hmm. that I didn't even know existed because you realize that the more you go out into the world the more you realize there are many many things they didn't know previously mm-hmm. that you have never taken into account um, so that was kind of like I guess the mindset I'm not sure if that answers your question but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that that is that is the most interesting post A-levels story I've ever heard ever like that's insane like within so so within the eight months you went for Zhongguo Hao Sheng Ying you went for a me- meditative retreat as well as internet SPH, right? Yes. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. <laughs> so eventually, you know, when you made it into Harvard, right? Um, I I see that you know you had many different stints. I mean, not not many different stints, but you had an experience interning with um, you know, Farid Zakaria at CNN. So. Did the SPH internship kind of clarify to you that, hey, perhaps, you know, journalism, writing is um, something that I'm interested in? And then how, and and also, other than journalism, what are the, the kind of like other general interests or general themes that would, would say like defined you as you entered in your first year? Ah, okay. So, um, Streets Times did, I guess, show me somewhat that... Um... I guess like journalism as a career, how exactly it plays out in the real world is kind of different mm-hmm. from what you expect. Especially I think for a print daily newspaper, it's very different because it gets mm-hmm. out like there's a print run every morning. So you kind of have to stay in the office and get it done. Um, but mm-hmm. that's very different from now how many different digital media sites are run. 
as well as other kinds of newspapers. So I did kind of realize that I wanted to do journalism, but I just needed to try more of it, like beyond, I guess, like the experience at Straits Times. Like one thing mm-hmm. I was interested in was also like broadcast media, right? Which is basically mm-hmm. like television and production, how that worked out, which is why mm-hmm. I think I really wanted to go to CNN, but particularly like for its Akara GPS, because uh, when I entered college, I didn't actually know like what I wanted to study kind of mm-hmm. what I told you just now. So it's a bit like, um, like Harvard isn't very vocational. It's because it's a liberal arts like college, which what it means is that um, you don't declare a vocational degree and you only declare mm-hmm. in, in your sophomore year, in your second year. So mm-hmm. when I went in, initially I thought I was probably interested in doing something like government or like um, social studies, which is a bit like kind of like what um, international relations is like for other mm. schools but then <laughs> as um, I think in my first semester at college I took a fiction writing workshop with a professor called Claire Masood who's a, a really amazing novelist and that mm. workshop was really like life-changing in terms of I realized um, I really really loved writing and this was what mm. it was like to approach it from a very serious workshop manner so I started to take writing a lot more seriously along with like I think there were a lot of other classes I took across the whole range of humanities um, that kind of really showed me that what I liked was ideas and writing. And those two Mm -hmm. things exist in many, many, many different industries, not just Mm -hmm. journalism. So obviously, I think that was kind of how I tried to approach um, different opportunities. I always try to look for what what has a lot of energy, a lot of ideas, and could allow me to write, because that's like my big passion. So Mm -hmm. um, if like, I guess, going back to your question, um, how I decided to go to CNN, I think when I applied, I saw how interdisciplinary it was. I love the show. Like, you know, I'm not sure if you've watched Mm -hmm. it before. It's a lot about like global affairs and international news. That's one thing. And then the other thing was it would expose me to a very new kind of journalism, which was about broadcast media. So that experience was um, really uh, transformative in terms of how exactly broadcast media is like. And I learned a lot more about production and about like, I guess, like the international landscape. So... Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't get to study like international relations as a like a major, but mm-hmm. I did get to actually like you know like get to learn about it in the real world in terms of like how it's like um, in a newsroom. But also I guess later on um, in like my research stints at like you know how it's think tanks with professors. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that I got to try <laughs> like multiple different like mm-hmm. prongs of my interests, but in like very very different. Um, ways not just in the classroom you can get to do mm-hmm. it in like you know other places as well yeah great great so um i think before we delve uh even deeper into you know your, your cnn internships or your other internships right um i think the first thing i will mention is um you eventually chose to double major in history and literature as well as philosophy right so um, what was that decision journey like for you in the first two years mm. so uh History and literature and philosophy wasn't exactly what I expected myself to major in at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I didn't even know like history and literature was like a like a thing at first, like before going to college. So um, I guess in my first two years, I think I mentioned a bit about like how I realized that um, I really liked the humanities as well as writing and ideas. So that I think gradually shaped my class choices in terms of what courses I was cho- choosing, mm-hmm. um, including a very formative class called the Humanities Colloquium, in which it's kind of like the you read the great books of humanity. So you read one great book per week for an entire year. And then mm-hmm. each week, that book is being led um, by a lecture and also in a seminar by a professor from that faculty. 
So meaning that one week you get, for instance, a history professor talking about Frederick Douglass, or you get the next week you get um, an English professor talking about Shakespeare. And then you get like a professor, for instance, one of my favorite professors, (laughs) who is uh, Professor Debbie Carrasco. So he is like a um, divinity and anthropology professor, and he was the person leading my seminar. And when he was teaching us about 100 Years of Solitude, he actually knew Gabriel Garcia Marquez personally. And I was like, wow. Wow. So it was just a very different experience of studying Mm -hmm. the humanities, I think way more intense than like JC, which was already like pretty cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that kind of shaped how I ch- chose my like classes going forward. And then naturally, mm-hmm. I think when I started to declare my major, it's a lot about like uh, looking at what you naturally gravitate towards and then seeing, mm-hmm. oh, what patterns emerge and how can I pull them together? And then for mm-hmm. me, history and literature as a major, it's um, Harvard's oldest concentration. So it's the first concentration that existed. And what you had to do is to study history and literature in tandem. And that was something mm-hmm. quite new. And I was like, wait, that's very cool. Because like, you know, I always did like history. I liked mm-hmm. literature. And in fact, my A-level subject combination was uh, history, literature, KI, and math. So it was literally, <laughs> now my current uni like majors are basically everything that I study in A-levels minus math. So um, mm-hmm. I think I think when I decided to choose history and literature, part of the reason was because, um, okay, this kind of goes into the details, but it is very uh, flexible in terms of how you choose your topic of study and mm-hmm. your course requirements. So I shape my own topic of study and choose my own course requirements from all the faculties to kind mm-hmm. of um, like formulate my like my own topic. So so I thought, oh wow, I have so much like flexibility in terms mm-hmm. of choosing. And then I chose philosophy. Mm-hmm. I think personally because it's like one of the fields that I've always wanted to become more knowledgeable in, but somehow I've not been able to. And I think it's quite mm-hmm. fundamental in terms of um like understanding how exactly uh, certain theories are formed or how certain ideas are constructed and what goes behind that in terms of assumptions. So that's why I decided to choose, like, I think, um, like, both of these majors in terms mm-hmm. of a, um, what you call, like, a joint concentration, like, on campus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's how that's how I chose mine. And I don't regret it. It's very cool. But mm-hmm. I have to think more about it when I write my thesis in my final mm-hmm. year in terms of, like, how I have to bring all three fields together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. <clears throat> I think, right, I can finally kind of like derive some theme from, from from the stories that you have shared. So I think the really the biggest thing that you have talked about is the, the, the kind of like joy in flexibility and being able to explore the various different fields of, you know, be it history, literature, or even philosophy. And I think um, that's something that is very unique to the US education system. Would you, would you say that so? Um, I would say the US like education system facilitates that kind of exploration Mm -hmm. like it's possible i think anywhere in the world but you probably have to take a lot more initiative in terms of like trying to get more electors Mm -hmm. for instance if you're in the uk or if you are like in singapore you might have to i'm maybe at unus it's a lot more flexible right i think they have some Mm, new kind of like yeah liberal arts kind of degree but i would say like um in the us they actively encourage you to do that and it was a lot Mm -hmm. easier because there was a pre-existing concentration where i could choose my own course requirements as long as they get Mm -hmm. approved so I could literally say, I want to study, for instance, diaspora and globalization. And then I say, mm-hmm. I think this like class from government, this class from anthropology, this class from literature, and this class from history fits that topic of study. And then it gets approved, and that's my course requirements. So it isn't like, mm-hmm. oh, everyone has to take history 101 or something like that. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think that, that the fact that something like that existed, I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Is that something that is unique to Harvard? I'm not entirely sure, but like, I know history and literature in terms of its flexibility is unique 
in itself within Harvard's mm-hmm. majors. So it's a very unique department that is very flexible. And mm-hmm. I know I know of similar kinds of majors in elsewhere. For instance, there's an even more flexible one <laughs> at, at mm-hmm. NYU. I think it's the Gallatinian School. Where you oh, can, yes, right? Yes. Like you choose yeah. like, yeah, your own individualized study path. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of schools have those options. But I guess as of like on like within my campus, I just know that mm-hmm. this one was one within the humanities that just so happened to be perfect for like my like slate of interests. Mm-hmm. So you spent your first two years, you know, trying to explore the different areas of the humanities. And um, I realized that you actually went for a um, summer school program in Japan. Is that right? Yes. How was that experience like? Oh, it was amazing. Because, <laughs> okay, so I haven't actually been to Japan, like, before uni. So, mm. and I've always wanted to go. I don't know why I never ended up going. So, when I had to choose what to do for the first, like, freshman summer, um, mm. it was pretty obvious that I should do a summer school program. And it, this was pre-COVID. So, everyone was mm. like, yes, time to travel. <laughs> and the reason is because um, it's quite difficult to get a very, very good um, freshman summer internship. So, if you get mm. one, I would say maybe go for it if you want that vocational experience. Or if not, just do summer school because that's literally one of the only chances you get to do something mm-hmm. like that in one of your college summers because mm-hmm. by the time you're a sophomore or junior mm-hmm. your internship is like super important <laughs> yeah <true>. which eventually <laughs> you'll get you'll get to experience but um, so- actually right um, mm-hmm. before that maybe you can explain to the audience um what exactly is a uh, summer school as compared to like maybe um, a regular semester yes so um, so for the summer school experience, I'll talk specifically about like a uh, Harvard summer school program. So Harvard mm-hmm. summer school program is open to um, anyone from any university around the world. And what you get is you get to go to um, any of the summer school locations, but you mm-hmm. get to have courses taught by Harvard professors and Harvard faculty Ooh. members that are mm-hmm. related to that area. So for instance, if you go to uh, like uh, Italy, then you get to learn about, for instance, Renaissance art or like Venetian Shakespeare stories from mm-hmm. Harvard professors. Or if you get to go to, I don't know, elsewhere, like, um, oh, like, for instance, like, um, Tokyo, where they had another program. I went to mine in Kyoto. The Tokyo program was very much about, like, mind-brain behavior as well as, like, neuroscience. And that was taught by Harvard faculty as well. So they have a lot, like, a huge range of, like, locations. And the reason I chose, uh, like, Harvard Summer School in Kyoto, one was Mm -hmm. obviously because I'm very, very interested in Japanese culture. Oh, something I forgot to mention. So during my post A levels period, mm-hmm. I also tried to learn two languages, which failed. Oh my <laughs> no, 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 it failed. So I tried to like Korean and Japanese. I actually enrolled in classes and studied really hard, but like, uh, didn't work out because I realized if if you don't continue practicing it, it mm-hmm. kind of just dies. I'm not sure if you had the mm-hmm. third lang experience before. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've been studying Korean, and one language is already enough. Man. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, I think I feel like if I continued um, taking Korean slash Japanese classes mm-hmm. with me, it might have been better. But because I was like, oh, I don't have the space. Um, like you know, you take four, four mm-hmm. to six courses. I didn't have the space to do that. So yeah, it kind of like died. So I was, I was like. Hmm, maybe I should, you know, try to pick it up again and be in a natural environment. And I wanted mm. to go to Japan since I've already been to Korea a few times. So uh, I chose that. And another very important reason um, I decided to do it um, compared to other locations, um, like for instance mm-hmm. in Europe or something, was because um, only that I think Kyoto Summer School allowed you to stay with a host family, um, like a Japanese host family, instead Mm -hmm. of staying in like a dorm room with like other like summer school participants. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yes, that's what I want. Like I want to be like completely immersed in like a local Japanese family and to see how it's like. And the two courses that we were taking then, both taught by Harvard professors, James Robson and Mary Brinton, um, one was about um, like, I think it was like 
uh, religions and philosophies in um, Asia, including mm-hmm. like Shintoism, Buddhism, Taoism, um, Confucianism. And then another one was about modern inequality in Japan. And that mm-hmm. was coupled with um, one, your daily observations as you lived in the family, because it talked a lot about like gender inequality mm-hmm. and like the housewife, uh, uh-huh. like, you know, um, like phenomenon. But also like, you know, you get to go and visit like actual places where you witness inequality, like ghettos in Osaka, where you saw like homeless people. Um, and mm-hmm. including also um, visiting like companies and understanding about their policies and visiting, for instance, like Zainichi Korean high schools, which mm-hmm. experience severe discrimination from the Japanese population because they are not mm-hmm. technically like pure Japanese. So those mm-hmm. were like very, very interesting uh, and very di- different from how you imagine studying that topic back in Boston. Because, you know, you're mm-hmm. there in Japan, so you get to live to uh, and, like, get to actually, like, truly experience um, mm-hmm. every single facet of things that are taught in class, and you see them play out, and it might contradict what is taught in class. So I really love those two months, mm-hmm. and um, living with my Japanese host family was so amazing, and wow. I had such a blast because I love Japanese food, especially, like, <laughs> Japanese desserts, like matcha. <laughs> Like everything matcha, like I was so happy. I actually became like my mm-hmm. blog previously was very like very much more like um on like other aspects of life, but like it became mm-hmm. about food when I was in Japan. <laughs> and I like wrote like multiple food reviews and it was just um I really, really, mm-hmm. really liked it. And I think mm-hmm. Japan is like <laughs> probably a place that I would wouldn't mind like living in long term, especially Kyoto. So yeah, mm-hmm. so so that's that's how my summer experience is like. And I highly recommend. Wow. So, just diving into a bit more detail, right? So, do do they fly the professors over to Japan to teach you guys in person? Yes. Oh, <laughs> really great. So, so basically, they intertwine like um, in person classes as well as like tours to different locations to kind of give you guys a an authentic experience of the the culture. Is, yes. Is that, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the professors would live there for the two months, and then they would mm-hmm. come and teach you every day or like. Um, depends on how the classes speed up mostly alternate mm-hmm. days and then um, bring you on tours and they were with you like pretty much all the time I mean other than weekends but you have the afternoons mm-hmm. or like evenings to yourself and then you hang out with other people in your program or mm-hmm. with your host family or like with new friends in Japan and then um, you also get to interact with Japanese students because they basically have a partnership there with Doshisha University so mm-hmm. the two professors would teach both us as well as Doshisha University Japanese students were kind of like our buddies mm-hmm. and then everything took place at Doshisha but like yeah, but it was like, you know, have a professor. So it was pretty mm. cool. <laughs> wow. So, so you know, coming back from um, the journey in Japan, right? What was like kind of your biggest takeaway? Or did, did it change any, any of your mindsets going into like the second year of your university? Mm, I would say when I came back from Japan, I had a mm-hmm. brief moment when I was like, oh, I want to do East Asian studies or something. So I tried doing that, no. <laughs> but like, uh, um, like they had a compulsory class called um, like sophomore tutorial, and then mm-hmm. I took it. I didn't really like it, so I dropped out, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not what I want to do. So, uh-huh. so I think I think there was like a sudden spot of interest. I was like, I really want to understand this place, but um, I think in the end, I didn't end up pursuing it. But like, mm-hmm. you know, like at least it, you know popped up in mind and like you know became possible Mm -hmm. yeah and it was a bit more about i think maybe my biggest takeaway is more of like it reaffirmed how much i liked traveling and different cultures Mm -hmm. and how um how much more so that it wasn't very important to actually set in stone where i want to work for instance post-college or like have a very Mm -hmm. clear idea of like oh this is where i want to stay for because because 
I did realize that it was very, very interesting, especially if you get to live long term in multiple different cultures. And it was something that mm-hmm. I felt I was very amenable to. Whereas previously, I never really had the experience of staying somewhere for like more than like a month, right? Like mm-hmm. usually, unless oh. like, yeah, like traveling doesn't usually take more than a month. And it wasn't as intense because you are not tourist um, during mm-hmm. summer school. You are living there with them. So I think, I think that kind of made me um, learn more about myself in terms of how, what mm-hmm. I liked about international experiences. And how much I want to factor that into my life experiences, maybe mm-hmm. post college. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So, you know, I think since we have talked about um, some of your more life shaping experiences, especially through like um, the summer school and things like that, I think moving on to the next really interesting part of your 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 journey in university, right, is research. Right. You you have done quite a bit of you know uh, being being research assistant assistance for multiple professors actually. Um, maybe you can talk more about your research experience at, at Harvard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my first um, experience being a research assistant was mm-hmm. actually my first year. So when I was wow. a freshman. And, Is it um, hard to get a research uh, assistant post as a freshman? It's actually pretty ad hoc. Like there's no fixed process, right? Like it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, it opens every like month or something and then you apply. It was more so, I saw an email which was like, um, which basically said, um, a senior visiting fellow called Kishore Mabubani was coming to Harvard and was looking for a research assistant. And I was like, wait a moment, Kishore Mabubani? And I was like, hang on. Okay, so this is a long story. So I first read his book called The Great... Want to find out more about Selena's research experiences with Professor Kishore Mabubani and her other exciting endeavours at Harvard? Stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast to find out more. And to our audience, if you'd like to hear more of these stories, be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our UniBridge community on Telegram. You can find the links to our Telegram, Instagram and LinkedIn in our podcast description. So be sure to check them out. We'll see you guys again in the next episode of our podcast. Bye!